Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And today I'm speaking with rock journalist Mitch LaFon, and he is the host of a podcast called Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon, where he interviews all manner of rock stars from Kiss to Genesis and everybody in between. Mitch, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you, man. Yeah, it's great to be here. I, I always love talking music in any uh, way, shape, or form, so looking forward to this. You came to the right place. <laughs> yep. So so listen, Mitch, uh, I know that you're a massive fan of 80s hard rock and heavy metal, and uh, the playlist that I've got for you here certainly reflects that. Uh, yep. I, I also know that you're actually uh, quite friendly with guys like Slash and Alice Cooper. So how did you come to be uh, to be friendly with these dudes? My relationship with all these different bands and stuff are sort of twofold. A, I, I always went to shows. I always hung around. I always, you know, I've always been one to, to be willing to help. And, and you know, I, when a band comes to town, I'll take them around. I'll take them to supper. I'll take them to whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the other part of it is because I've been doing uh, interviewing since 1996, you know, I was working with Brave Words and Bloody Knuckles and, mm -hmm. and I did some stuff with Metal Hammer and Classic Rock and eventually my own podcast, my own thing. A, a lot of times uh, I'll tell the, uh, the artist, hey, when this runs, I'll send you a link just, you know, and, and, and we just create this friendship and this, this understanding. And, you know, just last night I was interviewing Vivian Campbell. And, you know, what you're not going to hear on the podcast is the, the before, you know, I said, uh, you know, I said, hey, Vivian, how's it going? And he goes, hey, Mitch, you know, good to hear from you again. And it's been a while and mm -hmm. we haven't done an interview in a while. And I said, yeah, you know, I saw you in Montreal in April with uh, the Poison show. And then he's like, oh, really? How was it? Uh, because, you know, uh, we don't know what it is when, when we're on stage. And, and so you get that, that banter and this conversation that's more personable. And yeah. Yeah. That, that's really it. It's just been, uh, you know, being on the scene for such a long time and trying to be nice to as, to as many people as I can. Yeah. I think that's the key. I, th I think the key is when you have nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. I mean, listen, there's a lot of albums and songs and shows and stuff that I don't think have been up to par, but, you know, nobody needs to know that. Yeah, true. Good point. Okay, so uh, do you want to jump into your tunes here? Yeah, let's go. Let's let's do this. All right, man. So your first song that I've got for you here is uh, Bon Jovi, "Wanted Dead or Alive." Yeah, you know that that song for me sort of changed everything. You know, I, I wasn't really into hard rock in 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 the mid '80s. I had gotten into this Huey Lewis and "Cuts Like a Knife" by Brian Adams mm -hmm. and uh, "Infatuation" by Rod Stewart and. And it was sort of more of a, of a softer kind of side of rock. And, you know, when You Give Love a Bad Name came out and, and followed by Living on a Prayer, it changed things. And then Wanted Dead or Alive, just that video and that visual. And you have that line, I've seen a million faces and I've rocked them all. That's sort of like the mantra for all of us, especially in rock journalism, is, you know, I've seen... A million shows and I've heard a million songs and I've tried to rock them all and I, I get on the mic and I talk to you about them and I talk about and so that song just is just very rock and roll I mean you can't you can't deny it and you know every time you hear the opening you know guitar riff or whatever you want to call it yeah you can't you can't help yourself but to sing that first little part and and if you've ever been to a Bon Jovi show the entire crowd sings that first part with John and yeah it's it's magical and and that's what music is supposed to be. Yeah, no, I agree. 
um, you know that that's it's one of those sing-along classics from the '80s, right? I uh, I've played that around the campfire on acoustic guitar at, at least a hundred times, and people just love it. There's, yeah, there's undeniable. Just, there's a warm familiarity attached to it, you know. Yeah, and I think it also transcends genres. Whether you like Slayer, or whether you like you know Rod Stewart, or, or even Madonna, yeah. you can stop and pause and go, yeah, okay, Wanted, Dead or Alive, you know, uh, got a Stratocaster on my back. I mean, come on. Yeah. Doesn't get doesn't get much more rock than that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a fun tune. I love it too. All right, Mitch, your next tune is by Metallica, and yes, it is sir. Enter Sandman. Yeah, one of the songs that everybody says, oh, it's overplayed, they got to stop doing it in shows. But I got to tell you, again, going growing up, or musically growing up through the 80s, Metallica, you know, they weren't on much music. They hadn't been making videos up until 89 with one. That's right. So all that stuff from Kill 'Em All and Master of Puppets was completely foreign to me. And... You know, I was young and impressionable, and there was this sort of macabre of, you know, what is Venom doing and what's Metallica doing? And these these bands are, mm-hmm. are evil and dangerous and, of course, completely <laughs> ridiculous to say that at this point. But, <laughs> but but there was that sort of, you know, that, that was sort of the marketing behind that stuff, that this was like this evil. When I saw that video for Enter Sandman and I heard that song and you hear it, dun, 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 dun. You, you know that just sucks you in and i know that the diehards of metallica go oh it's pop music it's a rock song it's not real metallica well too bad without enter sandman i would not have bought the black album and then i would not have bought load and reload and then i would not have gone back and bought kill them all and you know it was the entry mm-hmm. you know that was the gateway to metallica so uh, very, very important because I love Metallica more than anything now. They are definitely in my top three bands of all time. Quite possibly at this point, even maybe number one, just because the strength of the live show. When you go, and I'm going to go see Metallica in July, it's undeniable that they are one of those bands that I think has gotten better with age in terms of live shows they pulled out all the drum solos and all the guitar solos and now they've you know replaced it with more songs they're still at their age doing two and a half hours well in fact two two and a quarter and you look at some of the other bands out there kiss Loverboy. they're all down to playing like 12 songs in a set list and you go really 12 songs i paid 100 bucks for 12 songs really <laughs> yeah Whereas Metallica is still giving you 21, 22. And then, by the way, Bon Jovi also, uh, you know, every time I see them, they give you at least 24 or 25 songs. And and so no Enter Sandman, no heavy metal, no, you know, no Metallica. uh, You know, they're coming here uh, in Montreal in the middle of July. I wouldn't care had it not been for Enter Sandman. So Mm. absolutely crucial in the, the development of my musical, you know, growing up, if you want. Yeah, no, interesting. Uh, and and one of my favorite things in doing this show is is trying to see it through you know the eyes of others, right? And experience wise, because my entry point to Metallica was was in '83, and I, I think I was 14 years old, and I bought Kill 'Em All just on a lark, you know, based on the album cover, and I loved it. And to your point, because it was there was something. I don't want to say evil, but there was something, you know, kind of notorious about it. And so uh, I love that. I loved Ride the Lightning. And so, you know, following Metallica all the way through that period, Master of Puppets, and then that garage EP that they had released 
you know, I wasn't a big fan of And Justice for All, really, because I could kind of see them changing. And then it took a little while for me, you know, to be able to digest the Black album because it was such a huge departure. But now looking back on it, I completely appreciate it. And, you know, I, I, I think it's a, a really well done record. Yeah, it really is. And it, it really changed a lot of things in terms of not just Metallica's career, because Metallica would not be playing stadiums in 2017 no. were it not for the Black Album. That's right. I mean, you know, they might be a bar band at this point, if, if they even still existed. Mm -hmm. And it also gave radio and much music and all those places this kick in the pants that said, hey, wait a minute. This music is still viable because, you know, by by the time it came out, hair metal was on the downside. Yep. You know, uh, what Nirvana and Soundgarden, all those bands that were sort of forming in, in the Seattle region, they weren't really doing this kind of radio-friendly hard rock. And it really re-energized the scene. And, and, and quite frankly, without it, I don't know if Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 would have been as successful. I don't know if some of those other bands, you know, Kiss Revenge, I don't know. Yeah. Would have, so uh, very important for, for everything yeah. uh, in terms of hard rock. I, I think the Black Album was something that Metallica just had to do at that point, you know. And if you think about the big four, the other bands, Anthrax, Slayer, and, and uh, Megadeth, um, you know, Metallica always seemed like they were just one step ahead of those guys. Right. And I think that the Black Album really separated them from the rest of the pack in that sense. You know, the other three bands didn't do anything like that. Um, but Metallica, you know, had the, the vision and the foresight to do that. So I think it, was uh, put them, it put them 10 steps ahead of everybody else. And definitely, you know, you can you can hear fans talk about how Megadeth is a better band and yada, yada, yada. But you know what? At the end of the day, it comes down to the better songs mm -hmm. and songs people want to hear. And most of the population would rather hear Enter Sandman than, you know, a Slayer song. Exactly. That's, that's true, right? It's just, that's, yeah. uh, that's an undeniable fact. And, and bringing Bob Rock in to, uh, to produce that record was the game changer, I think. Oh, yeah. Very wise. Smart. Smart yeah. beyond his, their day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So your next tune, Mitch, is uh, by David Coverdale and Whitesnake, and it's Still of the Night. Yeah, still of the night. Well, let, let me tell you. In fact, just before uh, you called today, I was I was tinkering with a White Snake playlist. <laughs> Here's another band. <clears throat> you know, they had an entire career going on from 1978-79. They did all kinds of albums, slide it in, and and uh, you know, ready and willing, and all these things. Yes. Not at all on my radar because you have to remember back in the day, the marketplace was really separated if you were a canadian guy you knew about you know brian adams and mm -hmm. and gowin and so on and so forth and if you were a uk guy you knew about white snake and status quo and mm -hmm. and there wasn't a lot of crossover so until still of the night came out that band just didn't exist to me i mean david coverdale was just nothing i mean i had no idea who the name was really and i know that sound well yeah i mean it sounds completely silly to say but but you know listen i, I live in Montreal, we have one rock station, Shome FM, yep. which has always been just awful. <laughs> no, 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 offense. No, no offense to Shome, but growing up in the 80s when living on a prayer and all that was huge, yep. they were playing the Doobie Brothers and and and, and music from the you know the, the early 70s. And you're wow. like, really? Much music with all the Canadian content rules, were, you know, 
think about how many times you actually saw like a rat video or I mean they, they would play Bon Jovi blah 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 and then they'd have to play a Helix video and then they would have to not, exactly. not that there's anything wrong with Helix by the way we love Helix uh, Brian's great but yeah. The point being is that when you got down to slide it in from the 19 or crying in the rain from the 1982 uh, Saints and Sinners album, yep. that just wasn't getting any radio play and it wasn't getting any airplay. And we didn't have internet to go Google something. So they didn't exist. Yeah, I was lucky enough to see, and this was late at night on some random video show, I was lucky enough to see um, Slow and Easy, the, uh, the video. Uh, from Slide It In, and uh, I was just mesmerized. I'd not heard of David Coverdale or White Snake either. Found out that you know later on he was a Deep Purple singer and so forth. And he he released like a load of records in the '70s after leaving uh, Deep Purple. You know, blues rock records that sounded nothing like 1987. But uh, I was always a huge Coverdale fan because he just had that really great voice. You know? Yeah, still does by the way. And yeah, and yeah, you're right. You know. And especially Deep Purple. See, I, I had listened to Deep Purple back then, but those were one of that was one of the bands that was sort of faceless. You know, when mm -hmm. you think of Kiss and Cheap Trick and stuff, there was there, there was you know Rick Allen or not Rick Allen, Rick Nielsen with his hat. They were they were faces, but Deep Purple was a sort of faceless band. So I hadn't connected David Coverdale as being Deep Purple's guy. It was just oh that that's Deep Purple, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Still of the Night changed everything, and and again that rift and and the introduction of John Sykes and Adrian yeah. Vandenberg and all the completely undeniable. I mean, again, you know, John Sykes had done some Led Zeppelin stuff, not Led Zeppelin, but Thin Lizzy stuff. Yeah, he had done yeah. some uh, Tigers of Pantang stuff. Yep. And of course, who the hell are they? You know, in in, in 1985 in Montreal, you know, who the, who's Tiger of Pantang? Yeah. And all of a sudden, this band gets together, and you go, "How did I not hear these guys before?" Yeah. And the video, the video had an energy to it. Just a great, song. great song. So yeah, changed everything for me. I wouldn't be tinkering on with a White Snake playlist this morning had it not been for Still of the Night back in that day, '87. <laughs> so on that playlist, do you go back a little bit? Do you go back to Slide It In? Oh, on the playlist, I do everything. Awesome. I mean, I have uh, Love Hunter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, listen, uh, I'll, I'll, a couple of the songs. I mean, I've got uh, Rock and Roll Women on there. I've got Sweet Talker, Hot Stuff. Nice. And then, of course, Stella the Night, uh, Gambler, Here I Go Again, uh, Rock and Roll Angels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, so you're going back. I make sure that, yeah, I go through the entire catalog. And, and what I've done is I've done sort of a mirror playlist where uh, I have these two playlists that have the same songs, but every song, every version is different. Like I give, I have "Give Me All Your Love" tonight with the Vivian Campbell yeah. solo in it, and then I have the Vivian, the, the, the "Give Me All Your Love" with the um, John Sykes solo in the other playlist, and I have "Mistreated" done by Deep Purple in one playlist, and I have "Mistreated" from the Purple album of the White Snake. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm making sure that it, that it's not uh, that I get to hear all the different versions because there's so much great stuff that you can't just throw it all out oh you know? yeah well like here here i go again was re-recorded after sykes left i think right so they had that what what album was that on i think it might have been saints and sinners where the lyrics are actually different so in the chorus he says here i go again on my own like a hobo and then yeah, he changed it to like a uh, like a drifter yeah which is pretty interesting yeah. and in fact they're there's three sort of album versions. They've got the Saints and Sinners 82 version. They've got the 87 version. Mm -hmm. And then in 88, they did a uh, radio version that's very much on keyboards. And they sort of taken out all the guitars. Mm. And the little drum intro or the little sort of beginning is different. So 
and, and I have to say, for some reason, I think that's my favorite version, that, that radio-friendly AOR version. It's it's different. It's the 88 remix version. Um, you should check that out. It's good. And, you know, the other thing that Whitesnake does that is a bonus for fans but maybe frustrating for others mm-hmm. is on compilation albums they put out, they release different versions of the songs. And you, you sort of have to get everything to get every version of the song. <laughs> yeah. They have a... Um, What's it called here? The 30th Anniversary Collection yeah. uh, came out a few years ago. Yeah. And it's got all bunch of different versions of different songs, some unreleased stuff, and they've remastered it, and it just sounds phenomenal. It's a three-disc set. I would go to Amazon or eBay or whatever and just try to buy it because that, that, that Whitesnake 30th Anniversary Collection, three discs, mm-hmm. is, is a great starting point, especially if you don't know the band. Yeah, I'm going to check that out, definitely. Yeah. Okay, your next tune, Mitch, is uh, by Scorpions, and it's Big City Nights. Again, the, the, the story repeats. No Still of the Night, no Mitch Whitesnake fan, no Enter Sandman, no Mitch Metallica fan. Big City Nights is the same one. I have to tell you, back in the day, mm-hmm. I always found Klaus Mine's voice annoying. I just thought, oh my God, <laughs> if they just had, you know, if they just had like Sebastian Bach singing, these songs would be great. Yeah. You know, if they just had a an Anglophone singing, these songs would be great. Now, you hear me say that and you go, what a complete idiot. Well, yeah, of course, you know, at 15, I was a complete idiot. <laughs> you know, now, now the Scorpions are, again, top three. Uh, Metallica, Scorpions, those, undeniable. Yeah. Uh, but if it wasn't for Big City Nights, that was the one song back in the 80s where his voice just didn't annoy me, mm-hmm. and I loved it. And, and you know, and the video had some, some good-looking ladies in it, so mm-hmm. it, it was perfect for a 15- or 16-year-old or whatever it was at yeah. the time that it came out. Again, no Big City Nights, no interest in Scorpions, and again, September of this year, they're coming to Montreal I wouldn't be all thrilled and excited. I wouldn't have made, I mean, on my iPhone, my iPhone these days basically is like 12 Whitesnake playlists and 12 Scorpions playlists. I mean, that's that's basically the only music in there. No no big city nights and we're not there. And so that that again started the progression of, okay, and then I bought, what was the album again? Uh, it was uh, with, Love at uh, First Change. Oh. Yeah, no, no. What was the one with? Uh, Savage Wind Amusement, was it? No, oh, no. That was that. Crazy World. The crazy World, right. By the time I, I, I got into the Scorpions, I, that's when I went and bought uh, Crazy World, and then I worked my way backwards. And, of course, uh, I've worked my way so far backwards now that I, I'm convinced that the 70s Scorpions is actually better than the 80s Scorpions. And I know people are going to say, oh, whoa, 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 rock you like a hurricane. Blah, blah. No, I agree. Well, yeah, but, yeah go, go listen to Your Light, for example, or go yeah. listen to uh, Entrance. Uh, yes. I mean, there's such a mood and a feel, and, and, and God, I have these great headphones at home, these uh, uh, Audio-Technica headphones at home, yep. and when you hear that stuff sort of, you know, with the lights dimmed and, and in trance just starts playing, it's, oh my God, it's such, it, it, it's a religious experience, I gotta tell you. Yeah, <laughs> it really no. is. I know, it's true. I, um, you know, my entry point to the Scorpions was Blackout, but then, um, you know, I got into Love at First Sting, of course, it was 1983, and I was 14 years old and completely into it. But uh, I listened to Worldwide Live after that, and I wondered where all these other songs, like The Zoo, came from, you know? And so I went backwards and discovered amazing records, Animal Magnetism, you know, and Love Drive. And uh, it, that's what made me a real Scorps fan was because all these records they did in the 70s, in my opinion, were much better um, than the ones they did in the 80s. Oh, absolutely. And 
By the way, there, there's one song, and I don't know if you allow swearing, but there's a of song course. that the, 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 the there's a song the Scorpions do from the '90s called "Rubber Fucker," <laughs> and it, it's a B-side to uh, one of their singles from uh, uh, Pure Instinct, I believe. Okay. You have got to go to, first of all, YouTube and check it out and then try to find an actual version that you can buy. You know, go to disc, discogs.com or whatever. Okay. That song is so funny. I, I would absolutely probably list it as my favorite Scorpion song for, for many reasons. <laughs> well, like I, I, for, for, for a lot of reasons. A, because the title is so obnoxious yeah. and it's so unlike the scorpions because the scorpions have never been gratuitous in their in their language and in their lyrics they've yeah. never been you, you know you listen to guns and roses and there's a fuck this and a fuck that every two seconds yeah. but they've never done that the the song is yet rocking and comical at the same time yeah uh, and then why rubber like what like <laughs> it, it you know it's like it's like german dominatrix song who anyway <laughs> It is so wrong on so many levels that it makes it so right. It you have to go check that out. Rubber fucker by the Scorpions. God, I would I, I would die if they ever played that in in a show because it, it's it's bizarre. I mean it's 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 great. It's a great song. Yeah, I I didn't even know they did that. So oh, you got it. You, you got to go check it out. Rubber fucker. It's, I'm gonna have a listen to it. <laughs> well, they are German after all, man. So I'm not really yeah. that surprised. Yeah, I know. Um, okay, your next tune is uh, Poison. Talk dirty to me. That was coming on at the end of the slippery when wet era because I really, you know, with Wanted Dead or Alive, I really got into Bon Jovi. And, mm. you know, after after playing an album for six months to a year, you, you're like, okay, I need something new. And Talk Dirty Me came on there much music. And I just thought it to be obviously not Show FM or anything remarkably, you know, Montreal radio. Yeah. Montreal, <laughs> you know, fucking Montreal radio. Um, no, but um, "Talk Dirty" to me was just this fun, light, silly kind of song. Yeah. And you know, I, I said, okay, uh, I'll, I'll let me go see if I can buy this. And I went down to Sam, the record man in Montreal. Of course, not here anymore. And it was on sale for five ninety nine on cassette. And I went, yeah, you know, I can afford five ninety nine at that time. Mm-hmm. I bought that, in, you know, I love that entire album. Look what the Cat Dragged In album to me is is a top ten. You know, it's a desert island disc because I, I never tire of it. That's the one that sort of launched me into the the hair metal thing. You know, Bon Jovi got me back into you know rock and let's get away from Huey Lewis and stuff. Which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with Huey Lewis. Great band. Yeah. But Talk Dirty to me was the one that got me to go, okay, now we're going to go listen to Tora Tora and Tangier yeah, and Cinderella yeah. and like, you know, Rat. That, that, that's the one that opened that that floodgate. And uh, I, I love Poison. I, I saw them in April in Montreal with Def Leppard and Tesla. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, no offense to, to either of the other bands, but that Poison set was, was wonderful. Was Poison it really? Is- yeah, I was wondering about yeah, that. Yeah, you know, because well, you you can't go in there expecting to hear, uh, you know, Robert Johnson or BB <laughs> King. Or, or you have to go in there in the mindset uh, you're going to get ten to twelve songs that are lighthearted, yeah, that are fun, that are summery, that are you know, and it it just puts you in. You cannot listen to a Poison song and not be put in a good mood. It makes whether you're 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 giggling because you find it to be obnoxious or you're giggling because you you it just makes you happy. It doesn't matter. You're still giggling, and it, it it's a Poison is just wonderful. I mean, you can't you can't undo the the fun of Poison. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and I used to give them a bit of a hard time early on, but you know, I do actually miss that kind of good natured 
you know, you just enjoy it for what it is. It's fun music, right? Yeah. And as you and said, there's nothing going on. There's no political point of view. They're not trying to sell you something. They're yeah. not. It's just here's three minutes of fun. Now this go bop your head. Dumb yeah. escapism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, next tune is by uh, a Canadian band, Honeymoon Suite, and the song is uh, not a greatest hit, I don't believe. It's All Along You Knew. Yeah, All Along You Knew. Um, it's got Ian Anderson of Jethro Tull uh, providing flute. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know, it's always important to have uh, uh, in your top ten list a, a flute-based <laughs> song, right? You need one cowbell song and one flute. No, but... And the Honeymoon Suite guys find me annoying because whenever I, I go to a show, I, I will text one of them or email one of them and say, remember, play all along you knew tonight. And they go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really don't know how to, to explain that one. It, it doesn't matter what mood I'm in, if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood, if it's summer, spring, winter, whatever's going on, I hear that song and I just have to stop for those four minutes and, and, and listen to it. It it wasn't a gateway to anything. It's not necessarily their greatest hits or the greatest song. Or mm-hmm. it, It's just a song that when it plays, it speaks to me. And as silly as it might sound, that flute <laughs> yeah. is, is, is so important to that song. And it's funny because I, I interviewed uh, Derry recently, and it's on the the Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon, and I asked mm-hmm. him about it, and he said they had done it without the flute, and and the producer was like, "Dudes, these, this is not going anywhere." And uh, you know, Ian Anderson's in the room next door. What do you think if we ask him to come and give it some flavor? And it's like, really? <laughs> I love those stories. It's like the the song's not working for you, and the first thing you think of is, "What if we get some flute?" <laughs> How can we? Yeah. How can we make it worse? <laughs> yeah, like like you're not thinking maybe maybe like a guitar solo yeah. or change of gear. And, and you know what? It whatever whatever kismet or karma or whatever it came together. It is a great song. It is a fun song. Uh, it is one of my favorite of all times. And uh, honeymoon suite, man, so terribly ignored in the United States and the rest of, wor- of the world. I mean, yeah. they're, you know, you look at an album like The Big Prize or or even um, what's the one that love changes everything on? Uh, um, which was The Big Prize was their second record, right? Or, yeah. The, yeah. Because their the first one was just self-titled, I think. Yeah, hold on. Uh, it was Racing After Midnight. That's right, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had to check my Honeymoon Suite playlist. Um, <laughs> but Racing After Midnight and The Big Prize are as potent as anything Bon Jovi, Poison, yeah. uh, Def Leppard did back in the day. There is no reason why uh, Honeymoon Suite should not be an arena act in 2017 with all these massive hits and 20,000 people singing along to New Girl Now. Absolutely agree. Uh, and something along the way, you know, Canadian, the Canadian market back then, they seem to box bands in. And I had this long conversation with Gowan about it, you know, um, Lawrence Gowan of Sticks. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, you know, you, you know, you had Criminal Mind, you had this. Why didn't it explode? And he said, you know what? The, the record company considered me a Canadian band and they just weren't going to work me anywhere else. Ugh. That is a travesty. And, and, yeah. And, and but that's what they did. They they. The record company sort of decided, and I guess you know, status quo for it in the UK must have been the same thing. It's like, okay, you're a, you're a band for this market. We're not going to put any finances into trying to get you into Japan or whatever yeah. or New York. 
And I think Honeymoon Suite, unfortunately, were one of those where they must have just been considered a Canadian band and they just didn't put any press into because, you, you know, you look at their concert history. Mm -hmm. They didn't they didn't really do tours in the 80s or late 80s of New York and Virginia. It, it wasn't happening. And, it, and it's too bad because had they broken that market, they, they could have been opening up for the Def Leppard tour this time around because people would have been like, man, it's a honeymoon suite, you know, just yeah. like we do with Adams. So. Yeah. But all you knew, man. Great song. I Yeah. I actually did see them, I believe it was the early 2000s. They were kind of tacked on the end of um, of a, uh, a a concert bill with uh, White Snake. And I think, I think, I want to say it was Rat. But like they opened up the show and Firehouse was also on the bill too. Um, but yeah, they love Firehouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, so Honeymoon Suite opened that show. They were fourth on a, on a four band bill. And they did a great job. Like, Derry's an amazing guitar player, in my opinion. And uh, I thought they did really well. So it's funny that you say that, because um, I, I think that they could have done a lot better, too. Oh, yeah. And and Derry, listen, I've, I've jokingly referred to him as the Eddie Van Halen of Canada. But, you know, I, and I've joked with him about that. But honestly, he, he's 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 as good. I mean, he's he really knows how to, to turn a, a tune. So Oh, he's a heavily underrated player. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yep, absolutely. Uh, next tune, Mitch, is uh, Alice Cooper. I like the song. It's the Ballad of Dwight Fry. That's a great song. Um, you know, there's that this this story that the screams in the Ballad of Dwight Fry or the I gotta get out of here, I gotta get out mm -hmm. was done with him in a straitjacket lying on the floor in a darkened studio to get that sort of paranoid, delusional kind of scream going out of him yeah. or, or a vocal out of him. I'm assuming it's true. But that song, it, 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 again, it just speaks to, you know, you can, you can, you can listen to uh, 18 and, and Schools Out and all the songs that people like, but this one is unique, it's different, it's paced differently, it's put together differently, mm -hmm. and that authenticity and that vocal of, yeah, he really is, you know, like, struggling and saying, get me out of here, like, can't go wrong with, with that one. It wasn't a gateway to anything, it, it's just one of those sort of rare gems, you know, you or best ofs that every time I hear it, I go, oh. And, you know, back in the late 80s when he released the uh, Trash album, mm -hmm. they had put Ballad of Dwight Fry live from Cincinnati, something, something, on a B-side single. Hmm. And that version is so great. You know, you know, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard a live version of that, but uh, I'm going to have to check that out for sure because I love the tune. Okay, so uh, your last song here is by Brian Adams, and it's called Heat of the Night. You know, Reckless was uh, the album before, just absolutely huge, and there was this fear that the next album just, you know, just wouldn't work or wouldn't wouldn't be as big, and, and Heat of the Night came out, and, and it sort of just reaffirmed that, okay, this guy's a talent, this guy's got something, and the video... I don't, I don't want to say it was lugubrious, but it was, you know, there was some dark moments to it. Mm -hmm. The song just, it, it just works and it just says, hey, you know what? This guy wasn't sort of a, a, a shot in the dark. You know, he wasn't just like a firework that exploded with reckless and whoops, now there's nothing left. Yeah. And so it, it just, it just said to me, all right, you know, you can believe in this dude. And, you know, that that's why I like it because it. It's such a great song. It, it's it's a slow song. It's a slower tempoed song, but it just works. And when I go see a Brian Adams show, you know, yeah, okay, Summer 69s, they're great. And yeah. Cuts Like a Knife, they're great. But if he misses Heat of the Night, it's like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> How can you not play that one? Uh, 
yeah. Anyway, I just like the fact that that it, it it was able to say to me, yeah, this guy, this guy is 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 in business. You're you're in business with him. You you can be a fan. Go go keep buying his records because Reckless wasn't just it. Yeah, he's got more to say than just that. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a fan. I think he's fantastic, and he's a, he's a great Canadian ambassador as well. Yeah, even though he lives mostly in London now. <laughs> he does. He does now, doesn't he? Yeah. He's he's sort of abandoned Canada, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, still a great artist. Yeah, he is for sure. Uh, well, that is your list, my man. I, I appreciate this. Thank you very much for uh, for the chat. I enjoyed it. I think you had a great song list here. It's fun fun to go back through some of these. And, and it's amazing though when you do a list like this, the amount of songs that you leave out. Uh, you know, to not have an Aerosmith song on there is almost sacrilegious. To, yeah. You know, in my case, to not have a Kiss song on there is almost sacrilegious. I was, but, I was curious about that. I thought for sure I'd see a Kiss song on your list. Yeah, you know, the thing is, Kiss was sort of always just there for me. Mm-hmm. What got me into Kiss back in the day, and I've told this story before, is my brother would leave out records, and he he didn't buy these records. He had borrowed them from friends. And so, you know, at home we had, by the record player, uh, Beethoven stuff from from my parents and we had ABBA's greatest hits or whatever you know mm-hmm. and so that that was the music that I was exposed to and then the Love Gun album showed up and you know you look at the cover and you go oh okay yeah a- and then you open up the the vinyl and you pull out the sleeve and you see the kiss with the dripping blood and you go okay so it was less a song that goes man you're a kiss fan more as the visual got you and go oh yes. what is this yeah I really have a hard time looking back at a particular kiss song going yeah that's that's the one mm-hmm. i know that when i sort of fell out of love with kiss in the mid 80s and you know uh, talk dirty to me in big city nights and still of the night had sort of taken over my ear uh, unholy is the one that came back with revenge and i uh, was walking by the tv and much music was on because we just we would sort of just leave it on in the background yeah and this video unholy came on and i heard it and i went dun, 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 yeah. and you go uh-huh and i was watching it and i go you know and gene simmons was unrecognizable and i went hey isn't, isn't that paul stanley yeah and you're like well who's that guy on drums like who who's that dude and, and so that that's that that one kiss song that sort of brought me back into being a kiss fan but the beginning, the early stuff, there really wasn't that one where you went, aha, it, the, the, the aha moment was pulling out the um, Love Gun thing and seeing the visual. And so, you know, did I hear Love Gun first? Did I hear Shock Me first? Did I hear, I don't know. And and they, they didn't really, it, it just was sort of there. Yeah. Whereas there was no there for Metallica. Enter Sandman was the in. There was no there with Whitesnake. You know, Still at the Night was the in. Talk Dirty to Me. And and quite frankly, you look at All Along You Knew by Honeymoon Suite. If if two radio stations were on at the same time and one had, a, you know, All Along You Knew playing and the other one had a Kiss song playing, I would probably turn off the radio station playing the Kiss, not because I don't like Kiss, but just because mm-hmm. it's so rare to hear the Honeymoon Suite song and it just speaks to my ears in a different way so yeah no uh, it, it's just weird the bands that you leave out i mean i left out tesla the tesla you know and other bands like thunder and goth are these Ger- you know not german bands but these european bands that, yeah. that people don't really know of over here and there's some great stuff yeah and a lot of guests have a really hard time narrowing this down to to eight and I, i've since kind of cut it down to five just so that we can you know do multiple episodes but i mean you're obviously welcome back to you know, I know yeah. that you've got like a massive, you know, list behind this one that we could talk about. So we certainly do that too. 
Yeah, and we got to do Van Halen. And, yes. I mean, how can I mean how can you ignore Van Halen? Now, the, the yeah. greatest moment, and and I'll finish on this, I guess, is years ago or in 2013, I uh, put together a Kiss tribute, and I got yeah, I saw that. Uh, I got Derry and John Johnny from Honeymoon Suite to cover the song "Reason to Live," mm-hmm. and it's funny because you the the back end on that is uh, you you mentioned Firehouse, Bill Leverty and Michael Foster provide the rest of that track. So I've got this Honeymoon Suite meets Firehouse track, cool, uh, doing, doing a Kiss song, and that to me is like a crowning moment because that that version and it, it was funny because Johnny is very very hard on his vocals all the time. He's always ah, I don't sound good. I don't mm. and and. And he was cursing me out. He goes, why did you give me a Paul Stanley song? Oh, I can't handle it. It's, it's no good. <laughs> and let's, let's, be, let's be honest. It, it's one of the better tracks on that tribute album. He oh, cool. absolutely nails it. I mean, I, I don't know why he's so hard on himself. I mean, mm. it's, just, it's just crazy. But, uh, yeah, to get sort of my favorite Canadian band handling one of my favorite bands ever yeah. uh, was was a great coup and a great sort of thrill and you know thank you to all of them for having done that but uh, awesome. yeah there you go so 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 much more to talk about well no we uh, will definitely have you back on to uh, to go through a whole new list of songs Mitch that's for sure sounds good cool thank you very much again uh, this has been Brent Jensen and No Sleep Till Sudbury and uh, my special guest Mitch Lafon until next time take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide. 